0: Welcome, tales of glory, listeners. It is the episode Big Sixty Four. Here we are today on March twenty first, twenty twenty three, and California here is getting bombed with probably its twelfth uh, atmospheric rainstorm. What the heck these things are called? We're getting hammered. Like middle many hurricanes are hitting us out here. It's crazy. We're getting lots of floods. We got six hundred inches of snow now in the mountains. It's kind of crazy out here. Anyhow, we're rolling out today, and we're diving back into the Book of Exodus, Exodus nine, and we're looking at the other plagues. We're looking at and it's going to be kind of interesting to look at these today, examining these and, and, and following along where Pharaoh's heart was hardened and where it wasn't by God and where it was by him. What exactly is going on with these plagues and who is God mocking in these attacks during these attacks on the Egyptian deities? It's good stuff today. All about spiritual warfare. Good stuff. I'm your host, Reverend Michael Norton, the missionary with the microphone. Welcome back. I'd like to welcome back my two listeners and a dog. In fact, I have two dogs here, two dogs in the office today. One's a producer and one's just managing things. i here. The ball just dropped right now. Just trying to get my attention. Anyhow, um, if you're watching on YouTube or Spotify, I have my pedigree up. Most of you have heard already. I was the leader of Night Strike Ministry. I was involved with Night Strike from 2006, 2016. And from about 2009 through 2016, I was the leader of the Night Strike Ministry, where Bob Johnson handed the reins over to me. I'm involved in spiritual warfare ministry and exorcism and ritual abuse survivors from 2006 to present. I was leading the miracles and warfare deliverance and healing sessions in Northern California from 2010 to 2013, and I, like I said, I've been involved with ritual abuse counseling and spiritual direction for them since 2013. And a while back, I was involved with the church. I was a co-pastor. Called Remnant Church that worked with Dissociated Identity Disorder people. Um, they needed a second place just to come to church and relax and be who they were. while well, Dissociations happened. It was a cool ministry, but um, that kind of got wiped out with COVID. It's no more. I am also an author of Field Guide to Spiritual Warfare, Field Guide to Advanced Spiritual Warfare, Cosmology and Demonology in Genesis 1 through 11. And I've been a missionary in spiritual warfare to Ethiopia, Guyana, Haiti, Vietnam, and Cambodia. So that's get rid of the pedigree, Mike. Get that out of here. So again, we're looking at the book of Exodus and battling the occult. So the book of Exodus is significant in teaching us how to deal with the occult and regional spirits. Nowhere in Exodus has God instruct Moses to bind principalities. I keep saying this. So yes, these spiritual battles in Exodus are against the occult powers of principalities, sons of God, regional spirits, who inherited the region from Yahweh's divorce of nations back in Genesis 11. We'll dive into more of those later. Yeah, we're talking about Ephesians 6.12. When we go to church, we never associate Ephesians 6.12, the spirits being called out there, also the spirits being dealt with in Exodus. Hmm. Kind of interesting. Well, we're going to cover more of that today as we, we go through this stuff. That's why this is about spiritual warfare and what's going on. So the context of spiritual warfare in Exodus and why it's important today, and that's what we'll be covering today, and it's relevant story time with Reverend Mike. Here we go. Yes, sir So I usually tie, tie, tie in a story um, that's relevant to what's going on here. Like I said, we've been um, dealing with battles of witchcraft. Let me rewind a bit. I've been involved in several cases right now, two involving Roman Catholic exorcists in the area who weren't able to dis, um, discern dissociated identity disorder. And they kept calling these things demonic spirits. A dissociated person who's very fractured can't have a part that mimics demons, and you got to know the difference because this looks so real. It could look like a demoniac. This, you know, you got to say, Wait a minute. There's no demon involved here. This is a person. Your discernment has to be dead on, and you feel it spiritually. so you feel these things. I know these exorcists didn't have it. I'm not knocking them because there's no way to train this in school. Either you got it or you don't, or you never developed it. I think a lot of exorcists that are trained right now in Roman Catholics don't aren't trained for discernment, and that's an issue because they're missing dissociation, which is probably 90% of the people going to them. So I am working on a case right now involved both dissociation and a witch attacking a person, astral projecting into them and doing stuff to them. And we caught it and we had it going on because we could discern it and we could feel it while it was happening. That's because I have two people working me working on the streets and we dealt with this stuff over in Haight Street in San Francisco and we know what these witchcraft attacks feel like and how they occur in real time. So I had another person with me that could verify what I was feeling they were feeling in real time at the same time. That's discernment. It takes a group of people. I usually can feel it by myself. Every time I'm with somebody else, I always reach out and ask them, are you feeling this quietly to them? And they'll acknowledge, Where "Are you feeling that? Yep, I'm getting it there too. Yeah, we got a witchcraft attack going on. So what's the point of this? They went to Roman Catholic Exorcists, and they went to a large, very popular Instagram, YouTube, deliverance ministry out here that calls himself the Demon Slayers. If you guys are following me when I'm talking about here, they have a movie about themselves now. They misdiagnosed this too, and they told this person she had a Leviathan spirit and all this other crap. And I'm calling it crap because of what it is, because that when you hear that, run. The minute you hear somebody say you have a Leviathan spirit and deliverance, run. It means they don't know what they're talking about. I've dealt with this stuff. i dealt with I the witchcraft. I know what we're dealing with here, so just run. So what I had to do was undo the deliverance lies put into them and get them to a place where they were kind of grounded, but they wouldn't believe that they had dissociated parts, even though they survived severe traumatic trauma. And moving forward with them, I couldn't get them to own their own issues. And furthermore, at this level of witchcraft attacking them, they had to deal with the witchcraft themselves. It wasn't a deliverance minister that could push it off. This is called a clash, where the witch, witches are trying to break down the mind to give you ungodly mindsets to believe this is hopeless, and you have to go in and fight this yourself. This person didn't want to. This person just wanted to keep showing up at meetings where they felt safe and felt the witchcraft broke off by deliverance ministers that we were doing it here. I'm not a deliverance minister. I'm calling myself spiritual warfare because after I've seen the Demon Slayer guys and all this stuff running rampant, even it's even spraying to the Roman Catholics how bad it's getting. I'm not calling myself a deliverance minister anymore because that's not the way Jesus did deliverance. We'll cover that too. Anyhow, so what we're doing with this woman here was high-level witchcraft and high-level witches doing stuff this person and they had to fight back themselves, to push them out of their mind. This person wants, she's so used to deliverance ministry, she wants somebody else to do the work for her. And so she felt like she wasn't going anywhere in this. I'm like, well, no duh, you have to fight this. So the level of witchcraft we're seeing is like we're seeing here with high-level witches in, in Exodus. And I want you to understand what's going on here and how we are to fight it. And the book of Exodus is a great model for us, a great model, because Jesus does the fights for us. And so that's my walkaways. So I want you guys to have today as we learn this stuff. Just kind of glean on what we're talking about and the level of witchcraft you're going to be dealing with. You're going to, need to be dealing with high-level witchcraft where people have been conditioned by deliverance ministry to not fight for themselves. And that is a huge problem because the person's already lost if they don't fight for themselves. Like I said, and dive into the clash themselves, which is their mind battling against the attack of the witches and pushing it out and not obsessing over it. So let's move on. Now that we established what our high-level witchcraft looks like, let's look at how... Moses and Aaron and Yahweh dealt with it back in Exodus. Now again, my disclaimer. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to bind principalities or root demons. Jesus never instructed us to do that. Exodus is a roadmap for how we are to fight the occult. It also demonstrates Jesus' preeminence over these powers of darkness, which were imaged as lesser than him. Likewise, we are imaged as lesser than the divine spiritual beings. Keep that in mind. We have a, we have a hierarchy here, right? Angels are hiring us. We're not, we're not judging angels yet. Sorry. I know a lot of intercessors who are charismatic. We're judging angels. No, we're not. We're not there yet. Be careful. Do not step in that ring. You will get smacked down because you're stepping out of your, your, your authority. It's all about Jesus' preeminence and how he handles these powers of darkness. And that's what we're supposed to do here when we're fighting high-level witchcraft. That's how we win. So let's focus back on Exodus 9. And here's our chart here. We have 10 acts of decreation, right? The plagues. We talked about the decreation that Tim Mackey called out. There's 10 plagues, but he calls them 10 acts of decreation. Right now, we're at plague number five, um, disease and livestock die. And we're going to cover plague six, the boils. And plague seven, hailstones and destroy all the crops. We're looking at those three plagues today. Five, six, and seven. Let's
1: dive into Exodus 9.
0: The Fifth Plague, Egyptian Livestock Die Verse 1 Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, Behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field and horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. See, he's sorting it out. Look, you're going to see your stuff just drop dead. But over there, in Goshen, where they're at, and they can touch that stuff. So verse 5, And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but none of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead. But the heart of the Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. If you're looking on the video right now, you'll see I have, in verse 7, the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. If you look at the um, the Hebrew on this, the heart of the Pharaoh is hardened, which means, Pharaoh was hardened. God didn't do this one. It's interesting to see how we're going to see here, flipping back and forth, how God will harden Pharaoh's heart during some of these. And most of the time it's Pharaoh's own heart that was hardened. But you'll see here, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened and he did not let the people go. This was Pharaoh. It wasn't God hardening his heart yet. Because people get this in question: Was it God doing this? You know, why did that God do that to him? Right now, Pharaoh thinks he's God. And so Yahweh always going to demonstrate who he is. So discussion notes. Let's look at Exodus 9, 1 through 7. Why the livestock? Part of it is there was a bull and livestock um, fertility worship cult. Apis bull fertility cults flourished. In ancient Egypt, Apis bull was considered a fertility symbol. The great inseminator was viewed with the vitality of life. The bull was early incarnation of a god, a manifestation of the memphite creation god, Pata. It was the soul, Bata, and the herald of Pata. So he's taken on another deity here with wiping out the livestock. Again, my sources here are from Dr. Michael Heiser, Naked Bible Podcast, um, when he discusses Exodus 8 through 10. A lot of good stuff to glean from this. So female deities were pictured as livestock animals. Isis, the queen of the gods, wore cow horns on her head. Hathor was given a bovine head for her task of protecting the king. So There are several livestock-style deities that God's also swiping here. Furthermore, the livestock animals provided necessities to the people, food, milk, clothing, transportation, and were destroyed in the fifth plague. So things that people needed just from the livestock alone were wiped out. So the gods that represented them were mocked and wiped out, and their basic necessities from the livestock were wiped out as well. So the biblical author is again demonstrating that Yahweh was sovereign over all and in control of all things. That's what he's demonstrating here. Another swipe at the Egyptian gods. It's like, hey, Pharaoh, what are you gonna do about this? You know, you're you're, you're the reigning God here. What are you gonna do about this? He couldn't. Exodus 9, the sixth plague boils. Verse 8, and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take handfuls of soot from the kiln and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt and become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took Sip from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses threw it in the air and became boils breaking out sores on man and beast. Verse 11. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. Verse 12. Here we are again. Look at this one now. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them, as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Let's discuss what we've just been at, um, unpack Exodus 9, verses 8 through 12. Again, this comes from Michael Heiser's Naked Bible Podcast, Exodus 8 through 10. The lector priests, the Hartumim magicians, were defiled with boils that could not stand before Moses. So if they couldn't stand before Moses and they were defiled, they couldn't, you know, replicate. Hey, we could replicate boils too. I don't know who they would have chose to do that on. But if whether they were able to do it or not, they're now defiled and they're probably in so much pain. It says they couldn't stand, right? They couldn't stand up to do their job. They might have been afflicted, so they couldn't even stand. And Yahweh had belittled the magicians and rendered them powerless. So they can't do anything. They're, they're taken off the table. Now what's Pharaoh going to do? He doesn't have any magicians. Doesn't have any heart to meme anymore. There's no question now about who could do miracles and who could not. These magicians were pharaohs cast up priests who were supposed to do spectacular things. The plague of boils attacked the hartamim so they can no longer perform the sorcery. Here we go. So Yahweh has rendered them incapacitated. They can't do anything. They're powerless. They can't even stand. Interesting. Let's move on to Exodus 9. The seventh plague, hail. Exodus 9.13 Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before the Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and your servants and all your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. In other words, here it comes. Verse 15. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. So he's saying, here it is. I'm I'm going right for the juggler being. I could have wiped you out with a snap of the finger previously, but I didn't. I kept you around to demonstrate. So it's it's like Pharaoh, when are you just going to give in? He was hardened, right? He's like a spoiled little kid. I am, the, I am the God incarnate Ra, I am, or Horus, was it, I am the God incarnate Horus, I am, I am, you know, go away. It's like, no, he didn't know God. God's showing him now who God is. This is a different way of knowing God. Like, if you don't want to know me, you're going to know me, this is who I am. Verse 17, you are still exalting yourself against my people, will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never has been in Egypt from the day it was found until now. Here it comes. I'm going to give you guys one heck of a hail show. Verse 19. Now, therefore, send, get your livestock and all that have been in the field into safe shelter. For every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. So, verse 20. This is interesting. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock in the houses. Like, oh, no. Here it goes again. Right? (laughs) Pharaoh, just give in. So the people were, the Egyptians were catching on like okay God warned them too like if you want to be spared get your get yourself inside homes and stuff when this hailstorm comes cuz it's going to hammer it's going to come. So apparently by now Egyptians are listening like oh here we go again they they're knowing they're getting to know who God is. Excuse me Yahweh. They get to know who Yahweh is. Verse 21. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses Stretch out your hand toward heaven, right? Act of spiritual warfare. Stretch out your hand so that there may be hail in the land of Egypt on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran down to the earth and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. Then the hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned, the Lord Yahweh is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. You see out in the video, I kind of highlighted that one yellow. This one's interesting. The Pharaoh sent and called Moses and said to them, This time I have sinned. The Lord Yahweh is in the right, and I am in the wrong. Like, hmm, that's interesting. Verse 28. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, as soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. See, I think he said, yeah, I think your repentance you had earlier was, was, was empty. Verse 31. The flax and the barley were struck down, for the barley was in the ear, and the flax was in the bud. But the wheat and the emmer were not struck down, for they are late in coming up. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hand to the Lord and the thunder and the hail ceased and the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart. Right there. Okay, right here. See it? So this time in verse 34, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. He sinned yet again and hardened his heart. So catch that. We keep seeing Pharaoh... You know, this is a battle between Pharaoh hardening his heart and God hardening his heart. This time it was Pharaoh. He owns this one during the hailstorm. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. So let's look at the discussion notes here, again from Dr. Michael Heiser. So looking at Exodus nine thirteen through 35. The hail was a long one. What's going on here? The hail was a mockery of the Egyptians' heavenly deities. Egyptian gods could not stop the hail bombardment. The Celestial spirits, remember the divine spirits acting in rebellion, remember that acquired this, 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 these people at um, Genesis 11. God's divorcing the nations. This is what it is. They're posing as gods. They're not supposed to be. So the divine spirits acting in rebellion against Yahweh didn't have the spiritual authority to shut down Yahweh's demonstration of power. Who do we have here as a cast of characters? Newt, the goddess of the sky, So she's like the goddess of the atmosphere. We have Shu, the god of supporting the sky in place. So outside the atmosphere, he keeps the sky in place from floating off. And Tefnut, the goddess of moisture near, you know, rain and hail and that stuff. Now, take notice here. These are divine spiritual beings. We have goddess, god, goddess. These spirits are taken on male and female forms. You know, that's something interesting that, um, you know... Well, spiritual beings can't be male or female. No, they're not. They're only reproductive organs. But they're taking on male and female attributes, which are interesting here. Interesting, interesting. So the other thing that's interesting here, too, is the servants of Pharaoh started listening to Yahweh. Those who took heed put their livestock in shelter. Like, oh, no, here it goes again. You know, Yahweh's going to come bomb us. So... And we also have here a scene where Pharaoh repents, but is disingenuous and empty repentance. Oh, I have sinned. Go, you know, go tell your God. I'm, I'm, you know, I have a change of heart. And then at the end, he didn't actually. It was it was a false. You know, he got his hands caught in the cookie jar. He was getting his brains bombed out again by hail. So I, I've sinned. I've sinned. Tell your God to stop it. You know, it was it was false. It was empty. We see people. We see people do that a lot. You know, they get caught with something and and spiritually come in for like a counseling or a spiritual direction or something and you tell them well this is wrong this is what you're doing wrong oh you're right i've been caught and then they'll go back and do it again you know it's like it's an empty repentance and so i'd be careful that there's some interesting spiritual warfare stuff here so god wants full repentance he doesn't want an empty one
1: and that is the end of exodus 9
0: cool stuff interesting interesting stuff So I know it took us some time to get to this. We're kind of busy here at the uh, M16 um, Bunker Headquarters. We do have training coming up here April 22nd, I think, in the Bay Area. I'll get the exact dates. Um, It's coming up. I'm going to do
1: some spiritual
0: authority training, which is going to be cool. It goes from all all the way through spiritual warfare, all the way up to exorcism. It's going to be cool stuff. Some stuff you guys never heard before. Some guys just stuff you're probably used to by hearing the, the podcast, but we're doing like an eight session training out here and I'm going to get more information that comes. It's starting to f- come into fruition now finally. But you know, as we're producing material, like I said, I'm still dealing with this economy. I'm still very much unemployed. I'm trying to look for a job here to, you know, for my tent making um, <laughs> funds to help, uh, help the family out here financially. So um, until that transpires here, I'm still trying to produce material and stuff for you guys too. And same time look for jobs. So it's been kind of busy here, kind of hectic, but if you're interested in, uh, excuse me, if you're interested in donating to the ministry, we are still going out helping other people, like I talked about the person earlier on. And uh, it t- costs gas, things like that, to travel. It's about an hour drive both ways for the person I'm, I'm working with here and another member of a night strike. So if you're interested in blessing us financially, we would love it because we could need help with the gas and logistic costs, things like that. And just producing more material here right while we're getting ready. So if you're interested in blessing us, you can send um, funds to PayPal. Send it to, um, directed towards m16ministries at gmail.com. If you're interested in any of our books, the Field Guide Spiritual Warfare, the Advanced Field Guide Spiritual Warfare, and we have Cosmology and Demonology in Genesis 1 through 11, you can get those at www.afg2sw.com. That's an acronym for Field Guide Spiritual Warfare, afg2sw.com. You can probably see it on the um, website. And there's links, hyperlinks in the um, YouTube and Rumble and Spotify and all those Things so you can find them there too as well <laughs> that's my producer out there telling me to cut it short and if you haven't um noticed too we were doing um m16 night strike outreach boot camp and go back and look in our um youtube directory or look at our spotify directory um go back it's, it's probably episode 63 was our last one right at m16 night strike outreach boot camp we did about five sessions I'm training for outreaches. I'm training for homeless ministry and operating the supernatural and learning to be sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. Um, I provide a little workbook for that one. It's like a book 99 digital download. And I'll put a link here again in this uh, this video. Again, you can find us at a fieldguide to spiritual Go there and you'll find all the links to all the shows and all the show notes are with it notes that are there. So cool stuff to look up.
1: So Mike's Spiritual Warfare Tips of the Week.
0: You know it's not changing. Be sure to work on your hearing God and practicing His presence. I'm getting a lot of emails now about fasting and about you know the spiritual warfare underground we had or Holy Spirit underground we had at my church. And I may have to produce a separate podcast about that too, just to, like a, a fireside chat about what that looks like, fasting and spiritual warfare. Because it doesn't look like what you think it looks like. It's actually more St. Teresa of Avila where you're just going deeper with God. It's just between you and God. And you're slamming the door on the devil, right? Like I'm not listening to you. I'm not talking to you right now. I'm 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 on a I'm on a getaway, right? Intimate getaway with Jesus right now, and it's just him and I. And you're not invited. That's kind of what the fasting looks like. And Jesus does a lot of the battles from there. And and a lot of times fasting gets the sensationalized, of like you all these great spiritual experiences and stuff, and all this world and supernatural stuff goes on. Yeah, it does, but I'm weighing more. It's more subtle in my experiences. It's like sometimes the supernatural experience you figure out it happens after it happened. Like, wow, that dream was probably from God. That's interesting. That was really cool. Or you know, something like you'll have a cool download. And like, wait a minute, where did that come from? That that was probably from God. Or this moment, where, you know, it's, it's all in, it's all in hindsight. Like, wow, that must have been from God. So it's not like the moment. Like, wow, I'm having this spirit of you know spiritual ecstasy of this going on while I'm sitting here with Jesus. You could, you very well could. Who knows? I'm just saying like when I fast, it's very subtle and it's the cool stuff happens. I'm more seeing off to the side to the grace of God during things. A lot of stuff being pushed away and out of my way where the Holy Spirit goes before me during the fast. And I'm with Jesus and just pushing dark stuff out of the way. He just goes and does it like Jesus fighting the battle and these things can't <clears throat> stand up to it. It's like the heart to meme, right? If it's witchcraft, this is what I'm dealing to. Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father will shut down the witchcraft. Maybe they will put boils on the witch attacking you. Who knows? You know, the, like here, they'll probably try to reason with the person, like, "Stop it! You know, please stop it! You know, stop it." Okay, there's going to be consequences. That's kind of how it works with Jesus, right? Look, I'm going to try to work with you first, and then you know, their, their heart's hardened. Like, either listen, like, "Oh, wait a minute," I freak out. Wait, did I have a dream from Jesus or something like that will happen? You know, something crazy. That's that's more often than than you know. And he'll give them every opportunity for them to repent like did Moses. And after a while, if they keep hammering with stuff, and that's what I want people to catch on with, if you're getting hammered by witchcraft, and this is the point where deliverance ministry is no longer helping you, and this happens a lot. You know, Something's actual projecting you, something's touching you, the battle is you and Jesus against them. The deliverance is only effective with low-level demons. When it comes to something high level, we're at Mark 9:29 you need to go into a clash, which is a mind battle against these things. You better learn really quick how to do this. And it's what we're covering here where Moses and Aaron were not afraid of the heart to meme. You cannot be afraid of the heart to meme coming against you because God will put boils on them and shut them down so that it rendered useless. But you have to trust Jesus. If you don't trust Jesus, you're leaning on fear and you're giving the witches power. This is something that's caught and not taught. It's one of these days you'll be in deep in battle against something like this. Mike, help me. Mike, help me. I can't help you. I could teach you how to fight, but I can't help you. You're going to have to fight yourself. The same Holy Spirit's in you is the same Holy Spirit's in me. If you have a house with demonic activity, you've got to push it
1: out. And then I tell you, guarantee you right now, that
0: spirit that's haunting your house or giving you grief is a lower level spirit than what the heart to me were summoning. It could be. There could have been something witchcraft going on in your house beforehand. You don't know. You still drive it out. Jesus will drive it out. He'll reclaim the land. He'll push it out. Remember that heart to meme were rendered useless and incapable of going before their gods and summoning more power. That's where you got to trust Jesus at. Jesus did it. He's done it all through history for us. He's gone before us. Jesus will go before you. He'll be that column of smoke during the day for you, and he'll drive out the demonic out of your house. He'll drive out the demonic trying to astral project into you. If you're dealing with ritual abuse, this is a different story and a different fight. That's not this one. I'm talking about people right now who know they're under attack by witchcraft and they don't have multiple identities or dissociative identity disorder. Many times the two are linked. The witches know how to seek you out. But it comes to be the same battle. You must go deeper Jesus. You must trust Jesus. And it's going to be little by little. What I do is I teach people to fight one thing at a time. You can have 20 things coming at you. Go for the low hanging fruit. You know, just pick one and spend a week or two in fasting and go after that one and get yourself a victory. Just go after that one. Ignore everything else that's attacking you. Go for that one victory and push it out. The lowest hanging one, the one that's easy to grab, you think. When you're under attack of witchcraft, you don't know which one. Pick one, deal with it. And see the heart to meme get covered with boils, metaphorically. See them get shut down. They can no longer stand before their, their demons and they're, they're gods. You shut them down, and God will mock those, go- those those gods they worship. God will not be mocked. You must trust God, and God will not be mocked, and that is the secret to spiritual warfare. So you read as many books you want, as much as you want, and as many pastors you want. Many pastors have not been in this depth of warfare, especially, I'm guarantee you right now, listening to these guys, the Demon Slayers, the guys put out movies and had little tents going on. They haven't been in this level of battle, It's, I've come from an engineering background, it's called Success Oriented Ministry. They had nobody raise them up, nobody mentor them who was good. And they think what they're doing is great and they keep on going in that direction, but they don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. All I have is data from thousands of battles, and battles we fought against high level occult. And that's why I'm just pointing my finger at these guys, it's not good. And they're not taking correction because they're they're often pride making their movies, making their, their YouTubes, getting their likes. I could care less about likes. Like I said, I have two listeners and a dog. I'm fine. I have people come and ask me questions. You know, they come in and out. I answer the questions, which is cool. That's all I want. That's all I want here to help people. If it's one or two, I'm not here for the likes. I'm not here for the, the thousands of listeners. But it's to help you if something's going on. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to fight it for you. I'll be your sensei and teach you how to fight. That's what it is. A lot of people don't want to hear the answers. They don't want to hear the truth because some deliverance minister told them something else. And that's why I'm not a deliverance minister. I listen to Jesus and what's going on and we tackle things dead on. If you're not getting the help you need from a deliverance minister right now, then stop seeing deliverance minister. Something deeper is going on. You know? It is what it is. So anyhow... And I'm still sticking my guns here. Number two, if you're looking at the video, never seek deliverance from a minister with the apostle title in front of their name. And never, never. It's, again, it's another showboat, just like the other uh, demon slayers. You know, or somebody that's telling you, go sharpen your irons in second heaven. You know, if they're telling you weird stuff like this to boost you up to go do stuff that's nowhere in the Bible, don't do it. I said, I have a video of another apostle delivering children. Go look at um, back on my YouTube videos or go look back on Spotify you know, about deliverance with children, I think the title was. I can't remember what it was. It was probably in um, the 20s of the episode, somewhere down there. An apostle was dealing with that, and I point out what a bunch of garbage that was. You know, So it's just, if it's not in the Bible, God gave us some good framework. Don't do it. There's a lot of Christian mythology right now going on. Um, Christian folklore is what deliverance is right now. You know, it's almost something like came down from Appalachia. You know, these weird little folklores do this, you know, if your house is haunted, why don't you go put some baby shoes on the wall and they'll protect it from demons. You know, that's about what the mentality we are gotten down to now with the, the, the Leviathan and the water spirits and all this stuff. There are water spirits, but it's not like what these people are, are just barfing out of their mouth on people right now. They don't know what it is. I've seen it in voodoo and I've seen it in, um, Guyana and stuff. I've seen them for real. It's nothing like what these 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 fools are talking about. They don't even know what it is, but they've repeated it because they heard somebody else say it. So it's like just a, I don't know. You get me started. You get me triggered. You get me triggered now, guys. You get me triggered. So anyhow, stay away from apostles, <laughs> capital A apostles. Stay away from them. So that's it. That's all I have for you guys. I hope you found this interesting. And we'll move on to Exodus 10 next time. Maybe a fireside chat on fasting first on um, basic spiritual warfare and going deeper with Jesus. Maybe that's called for next. I don't know. We'll see how the Holy Spirit leads us. But until then, guys, from the M16 Bunker, be a blessing and make good choices. Amen.